Hewler and Moats are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. What's going on, Steelers Nation? High noon on a Thursday afternoon. That can only mean one thing. Time to go inside the electric factory for the next two hours here on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler. It's our little two hours to talk football and other hijinks. <laughs> you call it the electric factory. We call it the Steelers Blitz. You already know the drill as well. Anytime over the next two hours you want to chime in, you can get at us on the Twitter.com, at Wesley Euler at Dabody52. Dabody. Moats, you know, one of my favorite things about, you know, this profession of ours, if oh, you will. okay. This um, is a profession? Right. Is, you know, okay. aside from the fact that a lot of times it doesn't feel like work. It doesn't. It's just a lot of fun. I also, you know, 95% of the people that we work with in this business, I love. They're great people. This is true. They're fun true. to work with. You know, they're like us. They're goofballs who just love sports and love. Time out, time out. You like working with me? Oh, I love working with you. Oh, man. You're going to make me blush today. <laughs> oh, man. How you just going to start my day off oh, like that? Come on, man. baby. Don't you do that. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we have a lot of friends in this building. We have mm-hmm. a lot of friends in this business. A lot of good people. A lot of people that are fun to be around. Mm-hmm. But one of those guys is Adam Crowley, our buddy. Oh, the crowd man. The crowd man, of course, 4-7 to seven on ESPN Pittsburgh. And Adam and I obviously go back before our time in Pittsburgh. We went to college together at WVU at the same time. We My used favorite. To, we used to do radio and television and all that stuff in college as well. Well, that Adam Crowley, he's big time. Oh, big, big time. And he had Adam Schefter on his show yesterday. He had George Carl last week, you know, longtime NBA coach, NBA Hall of Famer. He's got Adam Schefter, the football insider, on the program yesterday. He's going to have Roger Goodell on. I'm just waiting (laughs) on that call. Like, it's nuts, man. He's going to get Cristiano Ronaldo on one of these weeks. You know, Mike Trout will be on the program. All All the biggest names. Uh, but so yesterday, you know, and I like to listen to Crowley when I can a couple times a week when I'm around the house getting some dinner prepped and things like that, throw the Crowley man on. He had Adam Schefter on the program yesterday. Interesting conversation about a lot of different things. Uh, but obviously, you know, Adam was picking his brain about just what the NFL schedule could look like, right? Some teams have already started to put in some, you know, some plans, some contingencies for if they're not allowed to play at full capacity. Mm-hmm. And one of the, the topics that they got to discussing, right, was the potential to start the season on time with no fans or with limited fans right? or to back some things up and have, you know, full capacity or closer to full capacity. Adam Schefter mentioned, and obviously this is on a much smaller scale and just a completely different, you know, pandemic versus, versus a national tragedy. With September 11th, the NFL just postponed week two. Correct. And moved those games to the end of the season. So it's almost like they added a week 18. And Adam Schefter was talking about, could the NFL do something like that again, but maybe even on a bigger scale where instead of starting at the beginning of September, maybe they start at the beginning of October. Mm. Um, Maybe they push it back three weeks. Maybe they push it back four weeks if they think that's going to be enough time to get them more fans in the stands, which obviously adds to additional revenue. And Adam Schefter said to our buddy Adam Crowley yesterday, Motsi, that he wouldn't be surprised, he wouldn't be shocked, and he thinks the NFL would be willing to even play the Super Bowl in March or in April. Mm. Do you? And 
Super Bowl in Tampa Bay, right? So nice weather in, Absolutely. in Tampa Bay in, in, in February, March, April, whenever. Weather not really a concern there. But is that something that you could really see? The the NFL, you know, we get to August and they think, all right, you know, like we're getting close to maybe the CDC, you know, relaxing Correct. some of these large crowd guidelines. And we feel like, hey, instead of playing our first four or five games of the year with no fans or with limited fans, maybe we delay this by a month. Maybe we delay this by five weeks, six weeks. And then we can have a, yes, the calendar's off, but a business-as-normal season Correct. elsewhere. Is that something you really think is a realistic, viable possibility? Man, I think it is solely for the purpose of the bottom line, the dollar. Mm-hmm. We know the NFL, they're a billion-dollar business. We understand how they operate and how everything they do is very strategic in terms of garnering more eyes, more interest, building the brand, but more importantly, generating more dollars. You look at the NFL as a whole compared to any of the other major sporting leagues and the revenue that they generate, the viewership that they generate from a regular season and postseason standpoint it, it, it's dominating the competition. It's the it's the wealthiest sports league in the world. Absolutely. It, Not just in the United States, in the world. And that's hard to do because, yeah, we talk about the excitement around NBA playoffs, but nobody compare. And when you're talking regular season viewership, NBA, MLB, NHL, they don't they don't stand a chance compared to NFL viewership regular season wise and the NFL playoffs it takes it up that much more so when it comes down to that dollar when it comes down to understanding that element of it I think for the NFL if they know okay I can wait five weeks I can wait a month and I'm going to be able to get that fan viewership that I want I'm going to be able to have fans in the stadium I'm going to be able to ultimately generate more money parking and concessions Absolutely. and beer and, sales and you got to think from a job standpoint I'm going to be able to also create more jobs yeah. for my, my community concession workers Absolutely. and parking lot attendants and yeah, security because, because that's the thing that a lot of people are forgetting everybody is so quick to just do anything to get sports back right man I want sports back so bad play it with no fans out there you do understand that some people that's their livelihood that's how they make their money especially football yes so by you just jumping back into football without fans well it's going to be a lot of people we're talking hundreds of thousands of people that aren't going to have jobs and you just think about just in Pittsburgh how many people work there I mean you look at all the 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 yellow jacket security people the parking services the concession people inside the stadium the vendors outside the stadium the ushers and and all the sections just think about how many people you see on one game, a preseason game. Just think about that. And you're going to tell all those people they're not going to have a job, essentially, because you're trying. You're in such a hurry to get back out there to view it that you're ultimately still going to hurt these guys in terms of their finances as well. So I think from when we talk just money standpoint, it goes both ways. For the NFL, they can build their brand and continue to excel with the money that they're generating, the revenue. But then the other side of it is that, hey, man, you're going to ultimately help the economy out, especially the local economy, by creating those jobs, by giving people the opportunity to provide for their families. So I think in both elements of it, I would almost prefer that more. Now, this is obviously speculation because we don't sure. know, no one knows that the CDC is going to have a vaccination or any type of better contingency planned come that time of year. Now, this is saying that, hey, if we knew this was already on the table and we're asking, hey, would you rather force it and start in August or would you rather wait a month or two to start in late September, October, knowing that everything is fine? If that's on the table, I think that's a legitimate discussion. But until then, right now, it's all speculation. Do you think... Because, you know, there's – and obviously it's different for the National Football League. Um, one of the things that Adam Schefter said yesterday as well, and he was kind of right on this. Not kind of right. I mean, he, he's absolutely right on this. 
you know, not to like make it sound evil, but if the NFL could have picked a time for a pandemic, right? Obviously, it would be never. Right. But this all did kind of happen in the perfect time for the NFL. They got the combine in, right? And then this all happened early March. They were still be able to do the draft virtually, still be able to do free agency, albeit without visits. Right. They're still able to stay on a relative schedule as opposed to, right, the NBA and the NHL, which just cut off, you know, 80% of the way through the season, as opposed to Major League Baseball, which hasn't started yet and was right. supposed to start two or three months ago. Mm-hmm. You hear a lot, right? You and I were talking about this before we went on air. Damian Lillard voicing some of his concerns. The Portland Trailblazers point guard, for those of you who, who don't follow basketball very much, you know, one of the better guards in basketball. Uh, Damian Lillard voicing some concerns about a lot of different things, from the integrity of competition, from the player safety element and injury element of the NBA's idea of holding this postseason tournament at a hub in Orlando. Do you think... Again, you know, from a competition standpoint, from from those things aside from the economic impact, do you think that players would have anything against this? Do you think that they're really married to the we have to, you know, August training camp, September start games, you know, regular season ends around Christmas time, Super Bowls in early February? Like, do you think that they're really married to that or do you think they'd be okay with pushing it back? I think if it's communicated in the right way, if it's presented to the players in the right way, then they'll be open to it. I think the biggest issue, and this is what I think Damian Lillard was alluding to, players, our bodies are trained a certain way. It's geared up for certain parts of the calendar year. And when you interrupt that, like in the basketball world, where you trained all off season for this particular season. Then in the middle of the season, there's not like an all-star break where it's only a week. We're talking a month, almost two months now. These guys haven't been training, haven't been playing basketball. It's been almost 80 days since the NHL right. and the NBA shut so, down. So you're putting that break in there and then expecting these guys to, all right, I'm going to give you two weeks now to get back up to speed. That's not how it works for athletes. Athletes, man, we train year-round. And when it comes to the off-season, it's stages of the off-season, how you progress your body, how you get your body back up to speed. So ultimately, when you're out there, you can, number one, perform at the best of your ability, but number two, you can protect yourself from injury. Sure. And I think that people are just – they have the misconception that – Athletes are just superheroes, and you just show up and just do it. And you're that's just not how it shape, works. So you're fine. Yeah. yeah, that is not how it works, man. So in that department, I understand 100 percent why Damian Lillard feels that way. And in particular, when we're talking about the NFL, the reason why I think the players will be open to it if it's communicated the right way is okay. If you tell me this within the next month or so. Well, now I can gear my training so that way I'm peaking at the right time. I'm building up to that start of the season, and then I will know, okay, I don't need to be ready for August. I need to be getting my body ready for September. I need to get my ready my body ready for October. Sure. That's a difference. Two months of training, two months of when to peak, when not to peak, that's a huge difference. Because if you try to peak too soon, your body's not going to be able to sustain. If you peak too late, you're going to get off to you're a horrendously slow start. <laughs> yeah. You're going to get hurt. So it's all about – understanding, okay, when do I need to be ready? And that's why you get all these dates, these off-season dates. They don't give the guys – think about this, right? It's not as if the players need to know a month in advance when to show up for training camp. Right. Man, you could tell me tomorrow – you could tell us in a week, and 90% of the guys are going to be able to say, okay, book the flight, let's roll. Or, you know, this is my profession, drop everything we're doing, let's go. Mm-hmm. 
that's just to get there. But to have my body ready to go, I need to know months in advance. So that way I can gear up my training and I can know when I need to peak, when I need to be working on this, when do I need to focus more so on my agility? When do I need to focus more so on my strength? When is it into endurance training time? When do I need to just be maintaining? These are all the things that take place while you're waiting, while you're understanding the, the start dates. So for me, I think that that's the biggest thing that, that I think is going to be how the NFL players receive this or not. Yeah. When would they get that information? Because for the NBA dudes, like I said, man, they're getting this information, what, a week ago was when they started having those conversations. Right. They had the big, like, NBA PA conversation about would it's you be open like, right, to it. Two, three weeks from now, we're yeah, going. Yeah, like, that's, that's not enough time. Because yeah. if that's the case, when you were doing quarantine, right, you're two months of quarantine, you're 80 days. If I knew that, okay, by the end of May, first week of June, we're going to be ready to go. Well, your training would have been drastically different during quarantine as well versus you just sitting there and the first two weeks of quarantine, you're going crazy hard because you're like, hey, it can end at any moment, right? Mm -hmm. We could be ready to go. But then after that first month, you're like, I can't physically sustain this level of training. Like your body will break down if you try to train to that level. And, and it's For the, two months. Right, and it's yeah. the funny thing. People will look at guys and, well, look at A.B., look at Tom Brady, look at this guy. They, they work hard. Trust me on this. Trust me because I've seen it in person. It is not that same level of intensity training year-round for those guys. They train year-round, absolutely, but they are very smart in how they do it. They understand when I need to be pushing this more. When do I need to be dialing back the intensity on this but working more so on this? When do I need to do some of this? And if you watch any of their videos, you'll see them taking days where they're focusing more so on flexibility. Sure. They're focusing more so on the just route a running. Just yoga day. Yeah, just they're a, focusing yeah. on just, I'm just catching the day. Or you'll see them running at routes, and sometimes you see them running in what? Cleats. High intensity. They used to be running in sneakers. Low Other intensity. times they've got pads Absolutely. and a helmet on. Other it's times it's just shorts and t-shirts. It's different ways to gear up for this. But you can't not give guys the right amount of information the right amount of time so they can formulate a training package for that. Right. Because then you're going to invite injury. That's why a lot of times even we talk about guys that hold off a training camp, right? And you could tell the guys who had a plan for when they were going to come back and the guys who <laughs> kind of just wonk it and just say, you know what, I'm coming back today. Because the guys who just wing it and come back, they usually get hurt right away. Yep. But then you got the guys who, okay, this guy was strategic. He knew exactly when he was going to come back. So even though he had a slower start, think Le'Veon Bell, right? Yep. Even though he had a slower start, he still compared to all the other guys that we've seen hold out he didn't have the hamstring injuries he didn't have the groin injuries he didn't have the soft tissue injuries he was able to come back and what within two weeks he was up to speed killing and then that was one of the years we had the 400 touches mm -hmm. so you see the guys who are strategic and knowing when they're coming back and how they want to do it that plan is implemented and operated way smoother at a way safer rate and I think that's ultimately what Damian Lillard was alluding to. And I think ultimately that's with NFL players. If it were to come down to that, that would be the biggest drawback, them needing to know in advance when we're going to go about this. And I think, too, you think with all the stuff that's been canceled already, right, with rookie mini camps and, and now virtual mini camps, and this would be about the time when we were starting OTAs, and maybe two with this, right? If you push things back four weeks, if you push things back six weeks, eight weeks, then all of a sudden you could still have some off-season type programs, right? Maybe when you're when you're normally having training camp in late July and August, maybe now that's OTA time, right? And then training camp gets pushed back to late July, September, late August, part of me, September. You can still get all that, the progress that you and I talk about, right? From mm -hmm. the from the week to week, the month to month that you're building on everything, both from a coaching standpoint, from a health standpoint, like you just alluded to, getting your body ready for the season. Maybe if it comes down to all this, that's how they sell it. You know, they say, look at what happened in 2011 with the lockout, 
right, and how many injuries there were that season. Absolutely. If we do all this, it'll still allow us to have a normal offseason program, albeit just delayed. Mm -hmm. That's that's safe. It makes a safer, healthier athlete. It makes a better athlete as well, too. Yeah, without a doubt, because the lockout, I can tell you firsthand, it sucked because that was the, the biggest issue, the uncertainty. We didn't know when we were coming back, so everybody's training was so thrown off. And even though you knew, okay, a season could potentially come about. The issue was, okay, am I training to be ready for when OTA start? Am I training to be ready when training camp start? Because those are two different levels of intensity. Sure. Not even close. When I'm coming back for OTAs, I'm sitting to myself like, look, helmet is easy to come back and put that on and play. It's not contact. I know it's a very condensed practice schedule as well. Mm -hmm. So all of those things are making it a lot easier for me to come back when I'm training for OTAs. When I'm coming back for when I'm training for training camp, that's a totally different mindset because number one, I have to be ready for the the daily grind associated with training camp, the physicality because you're in full pads, the added weight yeah. because I'm in full pads. And then just the wear and tear of hitting every day because it's not like in the regular season. In the regular season, you're going to hit once a week, and then after a certain amount of weeks, you're not hitting anymore. Right. So you look at the accumulation is different. If you don't get banged up in the game too bad, you can get out of a week fairly healthy. In training camp, you're hitting every single day. Even on the quote-unquote light day, you're still hitting. So in that regard, those are the things that really play into your mentality when you're trying to train and doing the lockout, that was the biggest issue, not knowing, okay, are we coming back for a training camp, yep. OTAs, and we're going to hop right back into the season? Because it wasn't communicated like how things are communicated now, which I think obviously is a, a byproduct of that. Because we saw how that transpired, now everybody's communicating a lot more in terms of how a – okay, when we start back up, should look like or could look like. Right. And those are some of the things that I think are going to benefit the players as a whole in that regard. I think you're right. It's going to be really interesting to follow this as it all plays out. And, you know, again, when I hear somebody like Adam Schefter say something like that, uh, you know he's heard it from important people. Mm -hmm. it's, not just, it's not just some jabroni who's saying it. It's the insider of all football insiders. And, uh, and yeah, that, that's interesting to me, and I'm glad we were able to kind of Get your thoughts on that, and it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out here. But we're not really going to know anything until we know something, right? Because mm -hmm. it is smart. They shouldn't make a decision until they have to. Correct. Um, and so we're kind of just you know, kind of waiting and, and trying to parse through all of this. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler inside the Electric Factory here. Speaking of uh, comments and conversations, my partner in crime, Arthur Motes, he had a really good one with Anthony McFarland, Steelers draft pick, one of two Steelers draft picks mm -hmm. out of Maryland, Steelers' newest running back. When we come back, we'll hear some of those comments from Anthony McFarland, and we'll discuss running back by committee, what that could look like if that's on the table for the Steelers this season. Inside the Electric Factory, we roll along. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. We're grooving in here on a Thursday afternoon. Ooh-wee! Our buddy David with his photoshops as always. He's undefeated, he man. Got us, he got us jamming to the rhythm of the night over here. Oh, Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, first hour of Steelers Blitz. And, you know, we, we discussed in the first segment there some, some interesting comments from Adam Schefter. He was on with our buddy Adam Crowley. 
yesterday and talked about how the Super Bowl could get pushed back to March or even April, particularly with this year being in Tampa. The, the weather isn't as much a concern. February, March, whenever, you're going to get pretty good weather down there in Florida, particularly in Tampa as you start to get, yeah, not completely south in the state, but certainly down there a little further south than places like Jacksonville and the like. Uh, Motsi, from one intriguing conversation to another, you were able to uh, to catch up to interview Anthony McFarland, Steelers' newest running back, fourth-round draft pick, and uh, one of two selections out of Maryland. And I know this is a guy, the more and more I hear about him, uh, the more and more I hear him and about him and read about him, I, I think Steeler Nation is going to really enjoy watching this dude ball. Mm-hmm. He, he, he just seems like a, a talented guy, a guy who is, is scratching the surface of his potential, and a guy who is kind of willing to take on different roles, wear different hats maybe is, is the term I'm looking for, to, to cut his teeth in the National Football League. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, I had the opportunity to uh, interview him on one of my, on my podcasts, the Arthur Moose Experience with Deke, and literally, man, the thing that I took away from him, the whole conversation with him was just how humble he was Yeah, and how he's such a team-first guy. I mean, from some of the stuff we're talking about, about you know him splitting carries, to even when he chose his number, 26, for Pittsburgh, yeah. he was talking a little bit about how his uh, he knew his teammate, uh, Antoine Brooks, wore 25 in, um, in college, mm-hmm. and how he was going to pick 25. But he said, man, I know my friend just got drafted here, and I know he's going to want that number, so he chose 26 instead. Just little things like that. I mean, super humble kid, man. And I think, you know, ultimately, the biggest thing that – I would say I took away also was that you remember they had the character concerns, right? That whole report yes. came out about yes. him. Honestly, having a conversation with him, though, I don't know how you come to that conclusion with this young man because everything that he spoke of was putting others first from his decision to choose uh, the University of Miami. I mean, excuse me, use, uh, to choose the University of Maryland over Miami because initially he had a verbal agreement to go to Miami. Right. But choosing to go to Maryland so he could be close to his family. Close to home. And, and things like that. I mean, it's just he's a very selfless player. And I think, that, you know, anybody that checks that interview out and hears some of the things that he talked about, you will hear firsthand just how genuine he was in that department. Well, we're going to hear a piece of that interview right now, Arthur Motes, where – uh, you and your podcast colleague Deke asked uh, the question was about running back by committee. Mm-hmm. The idea of splitting carries is, is that something you're willing to do? Is that something that you've done in the past? And, and I really liked his answer. And as as you mentioned, you can just sense the the team nature in this guy, the the humble nature, the the guy in the locker room who wants to do whatever he can to help the team win. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's certainly what you want out of everyone on your roster. Definitely a rookie. Um, so here it is, just just a quick little clip of Anthony McFarland talking about running back by committee and what his role could be with the Steelers. That wasn't something that was really adversity to me because I've always been a, a a good teammate when it comes to things like that, man. Like, ever since I've been playing football, I always knew that, you know, it's never going to be a one-man show with football. You know what I'm saying? It's not basketball where one man can take over the whole game. You know, you know what I'm saying? So it's just like mm-hmm. I understand that about football, man. Like it really takes all 11, like literally all 11. And if one man doesn't do their job, then the whole play is blown up. Mm-hmm. And that's what people don't understand about football. The outsiders, that, that's that's what the game is all about. So I, I, I always understood that at a young age, man. And I love, I just love something, I don't know, since I was young, I just love having, you know, just another guy or guys and that played the same position as me. 
something, you know, that's good enough or even better than me. Man, I feel like that helps me become a better player and that also um, makes me not want to be not selfish at all. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, man, um, I feel like people should like dudes, athletes should like guys, man, that's, um, you know, that plays their position that, you know, you got to split curve because that, that helps both of you guys, man. That helps your body and, you know, that just helps you win ball games. That's how I look at it, man. Uh, you know, it don't. It's not gonna be one man that's gonna help you in the football game. It's, it's gonna take. It's gonna take some guys. And you know, that's how I always looked at it. Even at Merlin, uh, I split curves um, with my best friend Jerron Lee. Like, you know, like that's what we wanted. You know, we we wanted that because we knew that's what it, it would help each other, especially the position we play. It, it's Wayne Ted, and I understand that. You know, absolutely, man. And I think that's showing a lot of wisdom for you, man, because in this culture, in this day and age. I feel like it's always the opposite. You know, people want to be the guy. They don't want to split. They want to be the alpha. But to hear the humility that you have, knowing that, yeah, you can excel by yourself, but you can go so much further with people around you, hoping you all, man, I think that's dope that you got that mindset, man. Yeah, and, and the thing about it is, I always learned, like, when you're not, when you don't, you know, feed into wanting to be the guy and, um, you know, wanting to be the, the man in the show, like good things, good things come to you, good things happen, mm-hmm. you know, so I always was taught that and that's why I always, you know, st- stay humble through it all, um, you know, never never get big headed, never get too high, never get too low, man, just try to play this game like it's supposed to be played. Steelers running back Anthony McFarland with Arthur Motes there on the Arthur Motes Experience with Deke. You can find that podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You could also watch uh, video of the mm-hmm. interviews on YouTube at Arthur Motes 55. Uh, and thanks thanks to uh, thanks to the Arthur Motes experience with Deke for allowing us to use that audio. Hey, man, got to get a little content out there for y'all, man. <laughs> but every – yeah, you're right. When, when I've listened to him speak, when I listen to that – the idea that this guy wasn't a good teammate, man, I'm not. I'm not buying that for a second. Not a chance. Not a chance. Listen, we know in this culture it is me first. We know when it comes to the sports world, the professional world, it's always I. I got to get paid. What can I do to better myself so that way I can get this, I can get that. So to see and hear a young man who's coming in just fresh starting his career already willing to put others in front of him i mean he said it right there i would i I enjoy being around guys that are just as good or better than me because it's going to make me play better and it's going to make us as a whole be better i understand at the running back position the wear and tear associated with it Mm -hmm. and splitting carries is going to make us all play longer and be better that mindset man it's, it's different and i think that's why ultimately for me just hearing that, I, that doesn't scream character issue. That doesn't scream this is a bad locker room guy. That tells me this is a guy that understands the concept of trying to win a championship. He understands what it's going to take. And he also knows that for him to excel, for him to have longevity, you're going to need other people around you to help you out. You can't yeah. go by yourself, man. So I definitely was impressed by that a lot. Uh, when we come back here, I want to talk more about that running back by committee mm-hmm. idea and kind of our opinions on that versus historically what the Steelers under Mike Tomlin have done. I'll tell you this though, this is my this is my real quick uh, you know, big J journalism. Oh, here we go, here, here we go. I've told you this before, I've said this on the show. I <laughs> and I feel so funny saying this, but it's true. I never thought that I'd get here. Uh, I have a source in the AFC South, okay? Uh-oh. I have a source from the AFC South and after the Steelers, you know, I have done I do this with him with a lot of guys. I was texting with him about Anthony McFarland and some of this character concern stuff. 
And he said, dude, he said, I don't buy it. He said the guy was a little mature when he first, immature, pardon me, when he first got to Maryland. But what 18-year-olds aren't a little immature when they step onto a college campus? And he said, honestly, he was one of my favorite prospects I scouted in the Mm. Northeast all season. So I'm very excited for Anthony McFarland. And just outside of Pittsburgh, too, there's plenty of other people that think that this guy could have a real impact. What could that look like his rookie year? What does that look like with James Conner in a contract year? That whole idea of running back by committee. Where does Benny Snell, Jalen Samuels play into all of that? We will discuss when we return. Get your tweets in at Wesley Euler at the Body 52. The Body. It's the Electric Factory Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Heard from Anthony McFarland there in the last segment. And I tell you what, we've seen a lot from James Conner this offseason as well, too. Big back. Big back. (laughs) Our buddy David says, I love the stable of running backs we have on the roster, but from the looks of it, James Conner is prepared to carry the whole load on his back. Literally, he goes, hashtag, swole is the goal, (laughs) size is the prize. Oh, man. (laughs) I think that's from a a famous Instagram guy who always says that. Swole Mm. is the goal, size is the prize. I like it. Let's get it, brothers. Lightweight. Arthur Motes, I think what our opinion, I think, kind of maybe, and I don't want to speak for you, but differs in this regard, I think, from reality. Um, I think we'd both like to see a running back by committee where James Conner is the dude. Correct. But Benny Snell and Anthony McFarland are still involved. Yes. But I just, I don't know, until I see that play out, injuries notwithstanding, right? right because right. last year was a different example, obviously. I, that's just not how Mike Tomlin likes to do things. That, like, Listen, you can disagree with it, you can agree with it, whatever, but I, I think you're kind of just running into a brick wall if you think it's going to change. Uh, from Willie Parker to Rashard Mendenhall to, to Lev Bell to James Conner, we, we've seen that, yes, it's not that you know the second or third running backs are just going to sit on the bench the entire game, but Mike Tomlin likes to you know have the prefer- proverbial horse, if you will. Yeah, he definitely does. He talks about riding the hot hand multiple times. We've seen, like you said, with Willie Parker and then obviously with Le'Veon Bell, how when those guys are going, he's going to ride them regardless of when you have a LeGarrette Blunt on the roster for the first couple of games. <clears throat> like, it doesn't really matter. D'Angelo Williams. Right, absolutely. It doesn't matter. Like, if, if this guy is hot and he can sustain it, they're going to roll with it. And traditionally – you love that approach because that's the way we all grew up watching running backs. You didn't watch Emmitt Smith, flick, uh, Emmitt Smith <laughs> split carries. You didn't watch Walter Payton split carries. You didn't watch Adrian Peterson split Adrian carries. Adrian Peterson was a split no like, carries. Like, that's just how it was. But I think it's different now solely for the fact when we're talking about James Conner in particular, we just haven't seen him be able to sustain his productivity with a high volume of carries over a, uh, over a long period of time. And that's the biggest reason why this conversation has came up. Now, when we talk running back by committee, I still don't think we're looking at a Philadelphia Eagles, uh, New England Patriots 
type of situation in terms of how they were doing it in the past. Now, obviously, things could change with Miles Sanders. And then, obviously, up in New England, they could be potentially going to the bell cow style running back. But but you mean when those teams were having success? Correct. When they were having Super success, Bowls, they didn't yeah. have an alpha running back. And they were still able to be highly successful. But the Eagles I've, used four guys. Correct. Winning. I mean, they used LeGarrette Blunt. They yeah. used Corey Clement. They mm-hmm. used Jay Ajay. They used Darren Sproles. Yeah, so when I look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think they can use that similar approach but still have a higher profile back in that stable, and that's James Conner. Mm-hmm. Because James Conner, as a individual, has had – a more successful season than any of those other guys that we had named that were a part of the running back by committee. And we're talking solely as a running back because I know Darren Sproles has had very successful productive seasons, but not as a primary running back. And I think that's the difference in this particular situation. When we're talking James Conner, when I think of this running back by committee, I still expect him to get 20 touches. Yeah. But I was still, instead of seeing him get 30, 40 touches a game, and that's including runs and passes, you know, blocking and all that stuff, I would love to see it be 20, and then you're splitting the rest of it with a Benny Snell, with the Anthony McFarlane. I think for Anthony, though, he's going to have a division of labor particular for him just because of the Mm. speed that he brings. No other running back in the backfield has that type of speed. Carrot the White. I understand he plays fast, but when you looked at what he was timed as compared to Anthony McFarlane, you see the discrepancies there. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Anthony McFarlane is a little bit higher, uh, a more higher profile pick. Obviously, being a fourth round selection, yes. you have more capital in him, so you're expecting more from him. So, in that department, I do think that Anthony is going to get numerous opportunities just because of the speed that he plays with. That now, change of pace back, correct. if you will. And, and I think that that's going to be important because James. We know he's more of the bruising type. He's not really going to make you miss. He's not He's not going to run by you either. But when you're mixing a, you know, James Conner who's thumping, Benny Snell who could thump, and then you're bringing in that speed element, Anthony McFarlane, because Jalen Samuels, he's elusive, but he doesn't play with that type of speed. And that's the reason why we feel like Anthony in particular is going to have these opportunities because of that speed. Yeah. But now I will say this, man, when we're talking about as the season progresses, if James is showing that he can stay healthy mm. and be productive and continue on, then sure, you you don't have to go running back by committee. But initially, let's be real, the running back by committee started because running backs were getting hurt. Yes. It started because yes. people were lacking having a bell cow running back, and they had to figure out multiple ways to to, to compensate for not having the alpha, not was, having the guy who could run fast, catch the ball, block, and run through you. It was almost like the money ball right. idea, right? Okay, <laughs> so we're going to lose Jason Giambi, and we're going to lose these right. studs right we can't replace them with one guy we got to mm-hmm. replace them with three guys right that's how it all started so when the game transitioned from having featured backs who could do it all by themselves your Terrell Davises and, and, and your Clint Portises and, and all those guys in that vein this is what it switched to mm-hmm. so if James goes out there and shows that he can be the guy who can have 30 40 touches and still be fine and can sustain 16 games well then there won't be a running back by committee but if you don't show that you could do that, then it will be a running back by committee. It's that simple. It really is. And I think, too, you should expect the health notwithstanding. Mm-hmm. But I think you should expect the run game in general. And I'm not t- James Conner, but just in general, too, to almost just naturally, organically have a more productive season. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this on the program, right? I'm not breaking any news here. Just – 
last year with no Ben for you know six quarters into the season, you were without your franchise quarterback. Juju was banged up, and Deontay Johnson was banged up, and and Moncrief that didn't work out the way you thought it was going to. And Vance McDonald was banged up, and your offensive line was banged up. We've talked about this at nauseum. It was really easy for teams to put eight nine guys in the box. Easily, man. Uh, You've got to think that just on the surface, that isn't going to be the case this year. And then there's th- that trickles down everywhere, Motsi. I think most importantly to the running game. And so then, yeah, if all of a sudden, like you mentioned, those 15, 20 carries for James Conner are 15, 20 more productive carries, maybe he's going he's gonna to need a couple seconds on the sideline to catch his breath every once in a while if he's busting off more long carries. It's going to open things up. It's, it's going to hopefully keep guys healthier in a sense, too. I just, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think... In a perfect scenario, we would like to see James Conner be the guy, healthy the whole year, healthy for, you know, 14, 15, 16 games, and get 80% of the touches, you know, something like that. Um, But I I think realistically in the NFL today, and with just the opportunity to spread the ball around that the Steelers are going to have on offense – that this is going to be something to keep an eye on. Just It'll be really interesting to me, especially as the season goes along, I think is where I'm going with this. Like, what does James Conner's usage look like week one? Or really, maybe more so Snell and McFarlane behind him. Mm-hmm. What does it look like week five or six? What does it look like week 12 or 13 as those guys continue to get more comfortable? And maybe Benny Snell's the real X factor here. We yes. haven't talked about him a ton this offseason. If he takes that, you know, that freshman to sophomore step forward, then all of a sudden from last year where we're like, man, what's going on in the backfield? Like, we, like we've got nothing. You, you'd maybe be singing a completely different tune where you'd have a, a bunch of nice options that you like there. Yeah, correct. And, and this is the thing. I feel like in a traditional offseason, it might have started out in terms of the first couple of games being heavy James Conner. Heavy, heavy him because – you know, they get a chance to show the offseason OTAs. He gets a chance to continue to prove himself. You know, I'm back. I'm healthy. I'm this and I'm that. But I think now, because of the way this offseason has transpired, I do think they initially started out with a more focused effort on hmm. the whole running back by committee to preserve James because he hasn't had a chance to have the proper offseason and get his body up to speed like how we need to because it's less about the workouts the workouts that you post on Instagram that's cool but it's <laughs> not football works out correct it's not football it's different getting in football shape it's different getting your body accustomed to the hits and I think that because this offseason being how it is and because training camp could potentially be unique in terms of the format the length of it I think that this could be a year where right out the gate we see them being more calculated, kind of like when we hmm. saw with Ty Gurley last year with the Rams right. where it was like, hey, that's, we that's are making good, sure we're example. doing it this way. And less because of James Conner's hmm. ability and less because of the thought process that James can't be a full-time back and more so to preserve him because he hasn't got up to speed just yet. Hmm. Now, that's, a interesting, that's a great angle by you. Yeah, and, and I, I think that just because, like I said, in a traditional offseason, man, you get multiple opportunities to show the coaches, yo, I'm good, I got this, I'm healed up, this is that, that's that, you, 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 the day-to-day. Look at how I can cut here. Correct, and then obviously during that time you see the younger guys, they typically struggle doing OTAs, or they typically go through the growing pains of having to learn and things like that. But – because the season isn't going to play out in that normal regard, that normal fashion, you have to assume that the coaches are going to be making changes and making, I guess, mental notes on how to combat that. Sure. Because what you would hate to do is this. 
okay, I want James to be the guy. I want James to get all the carries. You put him out there in the first two weeks and he burns out. Not burns out in the sense of like wearing, like, oh, you overdid it, but in the sense of he pulls something or he gets a, a small issue that, tear, right, that's going to yeah. linger on just for the simple fact that he didn't get an opportunity to properly prepare his body, to get it accustomed to the hits, to get it accustomed to just the intensity associated with being a running back in the NFL. I mean, I played nine years, and no matter how hard I would train, it's still a difference when you get to training camp. It's still a difference when you play in a preseason game. It's still a difference when you get to the regular season game. It's a difference. So no matter how much running you do, no matter how much this and that you do, it takes time to adapt. It takes time to adjust. And at that position, it's not like receiver where, okay, I'm not getting hit every play. If I'm in shape, I could run all day. But I don't have to worry about the blows. I can get out of bounds. I can do this. I can, I, there's other ways I can combat it. At running back, you're getting hit every play, regardless if it's a pass play, a running play. Even if you don't get the ball, you're, you're still getting, getting hit. hit. Yeah. Period. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's that's the nature of that position. So no matter how much working out you do and running you do, you will not be able to get your body <laughs> no. physically prepared for that. Unless without you're going getting, out and getting in a car crash every day. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which I definitely don't recommend. I don't recommend, I don't recommend that at all. safety and for your insurance that, that's, costs. That's, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> that's not good. Uh, last one I've got for you as it relates to this specifically, and we got some good questions here on Twitter we'll get to as well. If the Steelers approach James with that conversation, hey, we know what happens when guys don't have time to prepare in mm-hmm. the normal way. Look what we saw in 2011. They, they can use that as an example, as a blueprint that they kind of propose it to James in that regard, right? Not mm-hmm. that we're trying to running back by committee you. We're trying to ease this in. Like, we don't, want to, we don't want you to have some acute injuries due to the lack of preparation. Mm-hmm. With all that considered in a contract year for James, is, is that something that's easy to understand? Or maybe you can still, you know, if, if he's going to say, no, like, I, I want the ball, I'm ready, I've been preparing for this. How do you you know, kind of have that conversation with a guy who is, we all know, is determined as James Conner to prove that last year was a fluke. Knowing James and the personal relationship that we have, I don't ever anticipate him, I guess, going against what the coach says in that regard. If Coach Tomlin comes up to him, because he has the utmost respect for Coach Tomlin, if he were to come up to James Conner and say, hey, this is what we're trying to do, I'm trying to take care of you, this and that, James is going to say, okay, cool, yes, all right, I got you, appreciate you, Coach. And a lot of us have done that, I've done that, but once that coach leaves, in your mind, you're pissed. You're saying to yourself, oh, this is disrespect. They don't believe that I can do this. I'm going to go prove it to them. And that's ultimately what it's all about. It doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't matter what the coach's plan is. If you go out there and you are, you know, having 100 yard games and you're being crazy impactful, yeah. The, the plan could be this, but once I see what you're doing out there, I'm going to go with you. Like, that's just how it operates. That's how it works. And that's at any level. So for me, I don't necessarily view it as it would be a bad thing for James. I don't think that he would. Yeah, it would definitely benefit him. But I think ultimately this is going to depend on, hey, James, if you can come out here and produce to that level and sustain it, you don't have to worry about the running back by committee, period. You don't. That's only going to happen. And and this is the same conversation that I would have with Benny Snell, the same conversation I would have with Anthony McFarlane. If one of those guys, if Benny Snell comes out there and emerges, hey, I can be healthy, I can rip off explosive runs, I'm physical, I can can catch, I can do all this. If If he can do all that, 
then it'll be him and everybody else will be looking at him. Like that's just how it, it's because the thing is, it's not money. It's not enough money tied up in that room. It's not like we're talking guys who are on their second deals already, where they're getting paid x amount of dollars. So you know yep. they're gonna play. Like the conversation with Bud and TJ. Regardless of how good Alex Highsmith is, he will not be starting over those guys because one is making fourteen million, or excuse me, fifteen million, and another guy's in line to get paid crazy. Like that's just how it works. That's the money associated with the NFL level that will dictate who's the starter in that regard. Yeah. But in the running back room, James Conner isn't making that, that money. money Benny Snow isn't making that money. Anthony McFarlane Jr. isn't making that money. So, and even Jalen Samuels, because I, I hate the fact that I feel like we all just kind of like right. overlook Jalen. Yeah, but none of those guys are making enough money where they are by you're not paying it by, to right those by guys. money alone. They have to be the starter. That's not the case. So, if any of those guys step up and show that, hey. That could be the bell cow. That could be the guy who could do it all. They're going to be the player. Go They're going to be the guy. Go ahead, young man. Like, that's yeah. how it is. Yeah. No, absolutely correct. Uh, I want to get – we got some good questions on this and on James Conner and on the running back by committee uh, here on Twitter by, from Don Juan and from Joseph. We'll get to those in hour number two. I've got to pick Arthur Motes' brain on the definition of an NFL bust. Oh, man. And you also know we got a little three-question Thursday. So one hour in the books, plenty more to come. Stick with us and get those tweets in. At Wesley Euler at The Body 52. The Body. Hour number two when we return inside the Electric Factory. This is Steelers Blitz on SNR. Euler and Moats are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. Good afternoon, Steelers Nation. How we doing? So excited. Well, that's good. Me too. Premier League football's back in a couple weeks. Oh, wait. This is a different... Different football show? Yeah, I was about to say, what's up? We don't talk about football up here. Different, wait, different football show? Uh, oh, okay. Oh, oh, different football. Okay, The, the right. real, well, f- real football. Well, I'll take what I can get. The real football. Wait, are we talking football or football? Nah, 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 nah. No apostrophes. <laughs> <laughs> we talking real football. No little weird squiggly lines on our words. <laughs> Having some fun here. Hour number two inside the Electric Factory. Some good conversation on... Anthony McFarlane and James Conner in the first hour. Adam Schefter as well, too. A reminder, we are on top of things. The show every day, podcasted wherever you get your podcast. Just search Steelers Blitz with a Z, like Zlatan. Zucchini. Like 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 Zoltan. Like Zoltan. Or, like Zlatan. Or, or, or like, like Zoo. Zoo. Did like you, a zoo. Did you see our buddy Zlatan, by the way, earlier in the week had an epic quote? He did. So he was doing, you know how all these athletes Does it include like, his name? In the quote. No, but you see where I'm going with all this. Right. He, uh, you know, all these athletes, like they've been doing Zoom interviews and things like that yeah. for members of the media. Zlatan did one of those, right? And and they were obviously asking him questions. What have you heard about this? You know, cause he's, he's playing for AC Milan now in, right, the, right. in the Italian soccer league. You know, what have you heard? You know, obviously being in Italy, one of the countries that was hit the hardest. Are they going to scrap the season? Are they still trying to come back? Da, 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 da. And Zlatan's response was, you know, he, he gave an answer. And at the end of his answer, he said, you know, to be honest, only only God knows whenever when when we will return, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, the reporter said like made some some line about well, you know, unfortunately, well that sticks because we can't we can't talk to God. And Zlatan goes, well, what, what do you mean you're interviewing him right now? I knew it, I knew it. 
<laughs> yep, that's some slapping that, for you. That guy, that guy's funny, man. Uh, but Arthur Motes, one of the things, uh, oh, wait, and so I should say, again, Steelers Blitz, if you missed the first hour, if, if you missed certain things, if you're listening back to us on the loop, but you want to just have everything on demand, right at your fingertips, right? Right in the palm of your hand. Steelers Blitz with a Z, wherever you get your podcasts, that's where you can find our show uploaded daily. Arthur Motes. What's up, baby? The definition of an NFL draft bust. Oh, man. You about to get my blood rolling. I'm about to get your blood rolling because I know that this is something where you and I, certainly you, uh, differ from the national fan perspective. It's a it's a conversation that's been had more than usual, I think, this offseason because, again, everyone is kind of starving for content and creating topics mm-hmm. of discussion and, all. Oh, let's talk about this and so let's make a list here and Who's the biggest draft bust here? And who's the biggest draft bust there? And This guy sucks. Arthur Motes, I just, yeah, I know every time you hear these debates, your blood gets boiling. It does. Because I feel like there is a major fundamental flaw in this whole conversation. I feel like a lot of times people view a bust as just simply somebody that... I guess for me, I look at it like this, right? A bust in my eyes is somebody that, number one, didn't live up to their expectations, but number two, they just didn't have any form of productivity. They didn't finish their rookie contracts. I mean, if you don't finish a rookie contract as a first-round draft pick, to me, that's crazy. Yeah. I don't care yes. about I don't care about fifth-year options. If you don't do your basic four years, like, that's a problem. Like, I view that as a bust. I view, like I said, anybody who – when you look at their stats, not the stats you want to choose, whether it's, oh, I want this guy to have more sacks. I want this guy to have more picks. I'm looking at across the board. If a guy isn't producing, if he's not productive in any way, shape, or form, to me, that is a bust. Not a guy who the expectations were high for him and he didn't he didn't fulfill your expectations. Yes. To me, that's not a bust because I think that expectations vary. But when we're talking about a guy who isn't productive at all, I think that's the biggest difference for me when we're talking bus versus not bus. Yes. Like, to me, right, Ryan Leaf mm-hmm. is a bust. Jamarcus Russell yes. is a bust. Yes. I, you know, like, I have, you know, my, my pit buddies sometimes. Like, they tell me a guy like Tavon Austin is a bust. because How? Because he was a, a, the 11th overall pick. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, he's still in the league now 10 years later. How exactly. is that? Yeah, he never became um, – I don't know. He never became uh, Percy Harvin. Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Okay. Right. But like, he's had a decade-long NFL career. How is that a bust? I know you. You've gone back and forth with this until this past year with Steelers fans who have said Bud Dupree is a bust. Where you like, said if he was if he was drafted 15 spots later, you're talking. It's a great value pick. I love this guy. Value pick. Like to me, that's what just blows my mind. And then now, of course, people. Well, he got he got the numbers now, so he's not a bust anymore. Like no. Even without the 10-plus sacks that he had this year. Yes. The prior years to that, he still was producing. Now, was it to the level of our expectations? No. We wanted him to have 10 sacks first year in the league, right? That's the expectations of a first-round draft pick. But you're not going to tell me a guy that was still getting four sacks, still getting 30 tackles a game, still creating forced fumbles, interceptions, that that's a bust. That's not what a bust is. Nope. You're not going to tell me that. When when you think of – when I – Think of just the pass rush position, right? Because obviously another name that would come up was Jarvis Jones. And I was like, okay, this is a real one we could really debate and talk mm-hmm. about. I said, okay, the biggest knock on Jarvis is what? The sacks, right? I said, fair enough. 
But when you look at a guy who was still a four-year starter, was still getting 40 tackles per uh, per season, was still getting tackles for loss, was still creating interceptions, forced fumbles, he was still producing in other ways just because it wasn't to the expectation that you had set for him. That does not equate to a bust. A bust in my eyes when I think outside of back, I think of Aaron Maben. Yes. Aaron Maben was a guy who played three years in yes. Buffalo and never had a single sack. He might, I think the most tackles he had in the season in Buffalo might have been 20. If that, like, that to me is a bust. Trent Richardson is a bust. Yes, it's, it's different. Yes. Like, Johnny Manziel is a bust. Like, when we're talking, <laughs> I think that it just it baffles me sometimes that people, it's hard for them to see the difference, the differences between what your expectation is for that player, yes. that person, versus their productivity. The expectation doesn't dictate if a person is a bust or not. It's, but now you can say he didn't live up to expectations. Absolutely. Absolutely. But a bust, I think that's drastically different. Like, for example, let me read off Aaron Maven's stats. 18 tackles in a season. Seven, sac- seven tackles in a season. This is combined. This is an entire season. An inter- 16 games played, seven, 11 games played. Seven tackles seven, in 16. Yes. Motes, I might be able to do that out there. Listen, I mean- listen. Then, then this is the, the year where the number will lie to you, right? Because I always go back and forth with the Jarvis Jones debate about his sacks, right, or the lack thereof. And I say, I tell you two things. When you watch the tape of Jarvis, his, his last two years in Pittsburgh, I could show you a guy that was winning rushes, was running, was winning rushes versus high-quality left tackles and for some reason would just not finish the play. I've seen him have quarterbacks wrapped up. Guy, get out of it. I've seen him actually get the play done, and then this happens on the player. That happens on the play. Something. So I always say, hey, man, sometimes like you can't just look at the sack number because it will lie to you. If you you have to watch the tape and like study it we to see that. We talked about that a little bit too with Chandler Jones the right, other day. Right. Where hey, nineteen and a half is really impressive. Right. But it's going to be hard for him to get that number. Correct. Again. Correct. But then I say, okay, for Aaron Maven, right? They'll say, well, he has six sacks in here, and I said, well, yeah. Did you watch the six sacks that he had that season? <laughs> yeah. Where I saw for a fact firsthand him have a sack that took eight seconds to happen. <laughs> eight seconds. Covered sack, baby. And then I said, I saw another sack where the guy ran out of bounds, and he was the closest to him. And by by rule in the NFL, if you're the closest to a player that runs out of bounds, the yep. quarterback, then that's a sack. I said, man, and you're about to tell me and and to combat the six sacks once again through 13 games, he had 11 tackles combined. And then his that's, final year, he had eight games and only one tackle. That's brutal. I said, man, that to me is a bust. Like, do you see the difference? What we're talking about here, like that is drastically different. He, he's not having no fumbles. He's not having interceptions. He's not having all these other things to combat that. That, to me, is what a draft bust is. Not when we're talking about the the, the Jarvis Jones or the Bud Dupree's prior to this season being bust. How are you going to tell me that Bud Dupree was a bust prior to last year? How? How? How, Sway? How? Tell me that. Yeah. How are you going to tell me a guy that's 40 tackles, 40 tackles, 29 tackles? Like, How? <laughs> It doesn't make sense. I don't. I don't get it, man. It doesn't make sense. I, I, I'm with you too. And one thing that bothers me in this regard too, Motsi, is I think there's a difference between a bust and a guy who just couldn't stay healthy. Absolutely. A lot of times, guys who come into the league and just listen. There's plenty. I mean, we've the car crash element. We talked. Some mm-hmm. guys just. If it's bad luck, if and it's we, something genetic. We say that about uh, Bud. Bud missed a ton of time his first couple of years. You look at Jarvis Jones in 2014. He played seven games that year. Like, it's a lot, like, a lot of time was missed. And you have to also remember during that time for both of those players in particular in those first four seasons together, they were rotating. Yeah. 
we all rotated together. Right. Bud, Jarvis, me, and Debo. <laughs> like, like you know what another, are we talking you know about? You know who I'm thinking about right now that I'm sure a lot of Steelers fans would say, oh, yeah, that guy was a bust, but he had a 10-year NFL career. Ziggy Hood. Uh, yes. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Over 230 tackles. Like, what are we talking about? Like, Explain to me how a guy that because, plays 10 years is a bust. <laughs> because he was the last pick in the first round. Pick oh, 32. Hey, hey, so if he's, he was pick 33. Oh, it's totally different. Totally, 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 totally different. different. Totally different. <laughs> I like said, if, if this is a third, if, if Jarvis is a third round, a third round pick, or even a second round pick, oh man, it was decent career. It was all right, you know, he got four years in, oh, it was cool. But no, 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 because the first rounder, that's bust. <laughs> but I also think because the the media has over sensationalized the word of bust like yes. so much now, they are so quick to throw the bust label out there. I mean, think about this: it's guys that say Terrell Edmonds is a bust right now. Yep. Like what? Ow! Baker Mayfield's a bust already. Like, explain that to me, please. Yeah. It's guys that will look right now and say, man, Terrell Edmonds is a bust. We need to fire him. You realize this kid had over 100 tackles last year. What are we? How? 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 Explain to me. Help me understand. Because I said, you know what? Maybe I'm just so narrow-minded because of, like, my football, like, this is all I watch. This is all I used to study. Hmm. This is what I obsessed over. That my evaluation, maybe it's off. So please help me understand. <laughs> what am I overlooking where you could look at a guy who had a, over 100 tackles in his second year? Not his first year. His first year he had 78 tackles. But his second year he had 105 tackles. He was on a top, what, top three, top two defense, depending on how you want to rank them. The starter on that defense, how is that a bus? It's not. I don't understand it. I really don't. And I, I hate to be the guy who always feels like I'm coming at, like, the fans in that department. But I'm just like, I don't understand how people will put that label on these guys. How? Like, Markel Fultz could be a bust. Yes. And, and, First overall pick and, and, in the and, NBA and the draft. Injuries, the injuries associated injuries with Injuries play it, into that, too. It yeah. happens. Like, but that's true. But a guy, like you said, who's played – Every single game in two years. Started every single game in his two years in the league. Has close to 200 tackles in his two years in the league. That's not a bu- – like, it's just not. It's a, If Markel Fultz goes, goes on, Motsi, and has a career where he averages 11 points a game, 20 mm-hmm. minutes a game, that's not a bust. Correct. Yeah, it's disappointing for a first overall pick. Mm-hmm. But I hate to break it to you. You can't be a bust when you have a – that's why, like, the, the Jarvis uh, – the, not the – the Ziggy Hood, right? And, yes. like, the Tavon Austin, like, always make me laugh. You can't be a bust if you have a decade-long career in a professional sport. Um, that's literally impossible. Like, how? <laughs> tell I, 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 I tell do, me. Like, I re- Help and, me. And, and this is the thing. I don't, like I said, I don't want to come off as the, the, the athlete who's always preaching to. Like, holier man, than thou. Yeah, because yeah. that's not it. I just really have a hard time understanding the concept of that or understanding the criteria associated with it. Unless you're saying that the word bust has such a – just very, very, very broad meaning. I mean, we must be painting with the largest, then, most yeah. broadest brush then 50% ever. 50% of the first-round draft like, picks are busts every single like, year. Right. Yeah. This, like, I, I, I just have a hard time comprehending it. And I feel like this is why I have to lean on fans sometimes to help me understand because maybe my eyes are clouded. I said, because I said, okay, you know what? Maybe it's because of the team. I'm like, no. these. Are, I can see if it's teammates that I like, but I'm like, it's teammates that I don't even like. That I'm like, yo, that's that's not a bust. Like. <laughs> What? I don't like that guy, but he's I don't on a like bus. him, Come but he's on, on a bus. <laughs> it drives me nuts, man. If you've got the answers for Motsi, let us know. Tweet us at Wesley Euler at the Body Fifty Two. The Body. <laughs> We'll get to three questions Thursday when we come back and then wrap up. You only said it because he's your friend. I don't even like this guy. I don't even know 
him. I'm not cool with him. Like, what are we talking about? <laughs> He'll make a mozi defend people that he doesn't even like. Man. <laughs> oh, three question Thursday on the other side. This is Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. The lit one, Rebecca, tweets, you know when Motsy's voice gets all high, he is fired up. <laughs> Yo, shout out to the lit one, man. But, oh, man. You you know, we me and Wes talk a lot. <laughs> Wes knows there's certain topics <laughs> that just... They're it, good for the radio banter. It, it gets my blood rolling. He knows when to push that button. And he'll just just push me to the ledge. He'll take me to the ledge. And he'll say, oh, look, Moses, and just kick me off the ledge. And then from there, I just go crazy. It's his fault, man. <laughs> it's his fault. I'm over here trying to be calm. I'm in here getting worked up. There's the, there's the, there's the, voice, there's the voice indicator, right? There's also... <laughs> And I know our, our megawatts. I know the power grid will remember this one. You also know Motsi's about to get into it when he goes, and here's why. <laughs> That's always my favorite. When Arthur Motes goes, and here's why, like, I want to pull out my notebook because I'm like, all right, this is going to be a good This is going to be good. Make sure you catch this. All right. I double check. I look at the machine. I'm like, well, this is all recording, right? Like, we're good. We're recording this. This is all right. All right, good. We're on air right now. Everything's good. <laughs> When the, and here's why it comes out. I, I, I'm on one and I'm about to get on my soapbox. It's time to prove a point real quick. <laughs> we, got some, <laughs> we got some more tweets here that we will uh, get to as we oh, always man. do. Uh, you know, about 15, 20 minutes from now when we wrap up the show. So you can keep them rolling in here for the next 30 minutes or so. But it's a Thursday. That means we got to do a little three question hey. Thursday. My here. favorite thing to do on a Thursday. Motes, I, uh, I, I'm just gonna say it might even have a bonus question this week. Uh oh. You know, I, I couldn't decide. You know, I was trying to split hairs with this question or that question, and I said, you know what? Yeah, it's called Three Question Thursday, but nobody complains when they get too much. Right, right. You know, like if it's um, eh, I don't know if it's a, if it's Dollar Beer Day or something right. at your favorite bar, and you go and you put down a dollar and they give you two beers, you're not gonna complain, right? Right, right. So it's Three Question Thursday, but I got four of them for you today. How about that? First one, uh, the match, right? The Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady against Tiger Woods mm, and Peyton Manning, right? Okay, okay. That it was the most watched golf event ever, <laughs> which is which is crazy. Shout but, out to the quarantine, but Shout man. out to the quarantine. Uh, Phil Mickelson said yesterday that he would like to have the match every year. Ooh. Him and Tiger. With, would it be the rematch? W- no. So he said. W- or just the match again. He said, we'd like, to, Tiger and I would like to do this every year uh, and make it an annual thing. And he said, with the likes of guys like Steph Curry and Michael Jordan. Mm. That's what Phil Mickelson said. So my question for you, Arthur okay, Motes, okay. is of course, if you could pick uh, not just football players, not just basketball players, if you could pick any two athletes to play golf Jeez. with Phil and Tiger, who would it be? To play golf with ah, oh, see, I thousand and you know for like a, for like a made for TV event. Got you. Okay, okay. Um, I guess we could do it too if you and I were playing a right, match. Right, I was gonna say we? yeah, who we wanted yeah. to force them. That, that I was like, that's that's different. a good. Okay, yeah. we could do both. All right, because yeah, me personally, it might have been the highest watched 
golfing event. I didn't watch a second. I did not, yeah, I, I I didn't not watch tune a, in. I saw a couple funny clips on Twitter. I but, did too. I saw yeah. like the pants rip, but other than that, I was watching NASCAR. I ain't even gonna lie to you, baby. I did not watch that match. I did not care. That's super NASCAR super fan Arthur Motes. Yeah, I did not care at all. So with that being said, um, the two guys that if I were to watch them in a golfing match with Tiger and Phil, um, I would probably go Conor McGregor because he's gonna talk absolute trash the whole time, and I need that. Uh, I'll probably go Connor and and Deion Sanders. Oh, that's that would be good. Yeah, because Prime could talk with that's the best. That's good, of them. made for TV entertainment. Yeah, I would thoroughly enjoy watching those dudes if talk I, smack. Before we get to who we'd like to play with, uh, I'm going with Chuck and Shaq. Oh. <laughs> Charles Barkley and Shaq, because those two just banter yes. all the time. Both of them like to golf, but they're not very good at it, if you've ever seen videos no, of no, it. No, no, no. Chuck is bad. <laughs> so just have them out there with Tiger and Phil and just that banter. Man, and that, I, that I would saw be funny. Charles Barkley say he tried to justify why he's so bad. He said, I'm trying to prove to people that just because you're a Hall of Famer in one sport doesn't mean you're great at all sports. <laughs> <laughs> I saw you, so you're not even going to try to get better. you just going to live with it. All right. Oh, I love it. I love it. Uh, for you, who would it be then if you were – well, should we pick three people or is it me and you and we're golfing with two other people? Um, I don't know. Whatever way you want to do. I don't know. Uh, if I was picking three people to just golf with yeah. me, I would probably go number one, Kevin Harvick, because I would have a thousand <laughs> questions are. while we're on the golf course. I would have a thousand of those things. Oh, you are hilarious. I would, hilarious. I would. I would. I would ask him everything. You know, he would get tired of the golf course with me because <laughs> I would fanboy. Like, I need to know this, 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 that. This and that, yeah. So, like I said, that'd be number one. <laughs> number two, I'm throwing Conor McGregor in there again Back because, in there again. yeah, because yeah. yeah. that dude is absolutely nuts, hilarious, too funny. And then Mike Tyson. Oh, that's a good one. Because Mike gonna have some stories for you, and Mike is low key funny. He is. Mike. No, yeah, he's not low key yeah, funny. He, he's, he, he is, is funny, funny, man. He is so, funny. So it would be those those guys, and I think. Because Mike is buff, he probably can't golf good anyways. So I won't like the be. The, I, yeah, I won't, I won't be the worst person in the in the force. <laughs> Mine would be right, Jim Carrey. Ooh, okay. Um, Bob Huggins, the WVU okay. basketball coach, and mayor, and mayor. Yeah, <laughs> and, and just because if you know anything about Bob Huggins, he likes to have a good time. Yeah, so I yeah. think he he'd be a fun guy to have out there. And Coach K would be cool too to throw in there. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. And then okay, so Jim Carrey, Bob Huggins. Oh man, Sidney Crosby. Ooh, because that's just clean. because that's I feel clean. like you could actually get him to uh, open up a little bit on a golf course. Like hockey players are just robots. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they never say anything. They never. But I feel like if you got to sit on the golf course, you get him a couple beers yeah. in him. You know, maybe he'll tell you some funny stories. He'll crack some jokes. Man, he probably like I, I feel he'll like drop ho- that guard a little. bit. You know, bit. I kind of feel like hockey players are probably like naturally good at. Golf, yeah. Just because like they're used to you know the the hand eye coordination, mm-hmm. they're hitting moving targets and the golf ball is stationary when they're hitting it now. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, I just feel like that'd be like a competitive event. No, yeah. There's some there's <laughs> some hockey players that are very yeah. good golfers, and it's funny. All my buddies that I grew up playing hockey with, they're all much better golfers than I yeah, am. So I, was I don't just really think about that. Man. I don't know what I missed out on. <laughs> Three question Thursday. Question number two: The pass interference challenge rule is gone. Mm. Arthur Motes. Sorry, Sean Payton. Uh, will it ever come back? Honestly, I don't think it will, even though I think it should. 
The reason why I don't think it will is because, number one, it's too much money involved in the way the game is set up because they want offenses to score points. They want the big-time catches and the yardage and stuff like that, the wild plays. And as much as fans say they want a pure game, as soon as the thought process comes up of, oh, well, that big-time pass would have been passing the first on the offense, they don't like that. The first time, mm-hmm. you know, you, you call a, a OPI on a 50-yard bomber or a play that would have been a touchdown – fans are going to be feeling some type of way about that. So we all know that the NFL is not going to allow that, which is why you even saw when they tried to implement the rule this year, how they made a couple of calls early, and then from there they were like, yeah, we can't do this. This isn't good. So mm-hmm. I don't expect it to ever come back just because that's how the game works, man. And they don't want to stifle the offense. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> even though we, we see numerous times when you slow it down, any DeAndre Hopkins bomb <laughs> is going to be OPI. You saw a ton of plays even with AB where it was some OPIs. <laughs> I mean, you, you Michael, go down. Michael Thomas? Yeah, you go down the list of all these elite receivers. Yeah. Ton of OPI. Yep, they don't and, want that. And, and, and fans will try their best to justify, well, look, the defender hell right here. No, the defender is falling from being pushed, and he's trying to hang on for dear life. But they don't want to talk that. Now, this is another topic we can throw out there to get Arthur Motes fired yeah, up. Yeah, that's why I'm, I said I'm not even going to take the bait. I'm just going to chill right now. <laughs> three question Thursday. Question number three. Arthur Motes, what's going on with Jadavian Clowney? Is he ever going to sign with the team? Mm. Like, what, Do you believe this, that the Browns offered him a huge deal and he actually said no? Um, I think it could be. And some of the things that kind of play into this is this. Number one, he wanted, I think it was 20 mil per year, and he's falling back off that offer. Say he wants 15 to 17 now just because the market wasn't what he thought it would be. And that happens as a free agent. You'll test the market. You have a number of You always ask for more. Right. And sometimes you'll get it. Sometimes you do get it. Sometimes you don't, though. So for Jadavion, it's the issue now of, okay, if I'm going to play for less than the 20, it has to be exactly what I want. So them saying that the Browns offer him a, a, a substantially large offer, an offer that was bigger than what he was getting from anywhere else, what if the offer is only $15 million? Yeah, that's a lot of money. But if you wanted twenty and you're going to settle for fifteen, you're going to want everything to be set in place. It better unless, be an organization right. that you want to go to. And, and once again, when we're talking the money, don't say for $15 million, you should be happy anywhere. Money is relative because the same person that's making thirty grand a year and they're enjoying this job here, I can say, well, take the thirty-three to go here. No, no, man, I, I don't want to work over there. I'm going to hate it there. Same concept, okay? Same and concept. And the same person who's making fifty grand, there's someone who's making thirty grand Absolutely, that's saying, man, man, if I could just be making fifty yes, grand. Yes, man, I, I wouldn't care if my boss was mean to me. I would just show up every day. That's not how it works. All right, money is relative. So when we're talking about the Browns offering him this quote unquote large offer, the, the biggest offer he's received, we don't know the exact dollar amount. And if it's not the number that he wanted initially, well, then technically he's going to be settling. So he's going to want everything to be in place for him. Coaching staff, the cost of living, the lifestyle, the community, the fan base. There's a lot that goes into this. So I think in that regard, he's smart in being patient and waiting. And I think another thing that's benefiting him right now is the fact that there is nothing going on with the COVID situation. It's not like you're missing offseason workouts because they're not happening right, right. now. Like you we, can just wait. Yeah, you, you have no real urgency in terms of I have to get a deal done now to get in with the organization because that's not the case. There is nothing going on. You don't have to worry about OTAs. You don't have to worry about a practice right now. You don't have to worry about anything. So You don't it, have a timetable yet. You're yeah. just kind of waiting. So now this could be different if, okay, things start to clear up and they say, hey, football will resume in August. Okay, well, now you know, all right, I need to be ready. I need to get with the team 
when it's time for that to happen. But until then, man, you sit here and you wait. You're not missing out on anything. Good tweet from Mark. Mark says, just think Happy Gilmore, hockey player turned golfer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Last one here on Three Question Thursday. Bonus question. Question number four. All right, Arthur Motes has said this guy's name, and that's why I had to save this for last because I knew he would like this. Conor McGregor, Anderson Silva, rumors floating around. The 166, uh, 176 of a a super fight. Anderson Silva called for it at 176. McGregor went on Twitter and said, "I accept." Arthur Motes, one, is this really going to happen? Two, as a as a true MMA guy Mm -hmm. yourself, yeah, do you really have a great desire to see this happen, or would it be more just for the for the show, for the for the payday, for the spectacle. No, so when you're talking about Anderson Silva, he's arguably one of the greatest fighters of all time. Mm-hmm. He's in the conversation with your your Georges, St. Pierre's, your John Jones, your uh, Khabib, Norman Gamedovs, mm-hmm. those type of guys, mm-hmm. right? So obviously any fight that's going to include Silva, you would love to see. And obviously Conor McGregor is the big draw. Anytime you talk a Conor McGregor fight, is going to do just crazy numbers from a pay-per-view standpoint. To yep. put it in context – uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov was supposed to fight Tony Ferguson before Tony Ferguson had just got beat. And that fight was supposed to make, they said it was going to sell probably 5 to $10 million. Whereas Conor McGregor, his, uh, if they, they said that it was going to be projected for him to fight. It was going to draw at least $18 million gate is in terms of like just how much people are paying to sit in there. $18 million off that and not even talking pay-per-views. That is a substantial difference. So if you're talking Conor McGregor and Anderson Silva, that's a huge draw. I mean, you're going to get the current MMA fans, then you're going to get the OG MMA fans. The the weight element of it, Conor could easily make 176. He's been fighting up at 170. For Silva, that would be a lot for him to come down mm-hmm. to. But Silva has always done a great job in terms of uh, handling his weight cuts and things like that, so I definitely he can make that happen. I would love to see the fight. I think that Silva would win just because he's more diverse in his fighting style. Mm-hmm. He can fight standing up on the ground, his jiu-jitsu, his submissions, everything. Whereas Connor, we know what he is. He he's a he's a knockout artist. You know, he's think of your your Irish yeah. bar fighter. <laughs> yeah. That's he's Connor. A, he's a brawler. Yeah, he, he's gonna drink some whiskey. He's throwing punches. That's it. So I think just because of how diverse Silva is, he would get the job done. But obviously, the age element plays a factor into it as well. Mm-hmm. So I would love it. I, I would be excited for it. So you don't think it would be just for show? It oh, could, no, it no, could actually be fun. It could be an entertaining yeah, fight. Yeah, absolutely. And, and selling the fight. Both of those guys oh. talk smack. Oh, it, it would be one of the biggest, I mean, one it, of the biggest gates, I think, you right? Talk That's about the term, the, yeah, right? Yeah, in yeah, UFC gates. history. Yeah, but you talk about the showmanship. You talk about the pay-per-view buys. They could sell that fight. No different than McGregor Mayweather. Yeah. The reason why it sold so much was because the both of those guys talk so much trash. They went on a tour. Like, to like hype think the about fight. that. Like, like we're talking about a, a, a fifty, or he was forty-nine and no boxer at the time, fighting a guy Conor McGregor who who had just came off of a loss with Nate Diaz. Yep. And was switching sports, <laughs> <laughs> and that was one of the biggest boxing gate. That was, I mean, three hundred million is what they made. Crazy. Like, what are we talking about? It's crazy. And that's because they could sell it. So That's when you talk about. about McGregor and Silva, they could definitely sell the fight. People would definitely love it. And I think it would be entertaining because both of those guys would present unique challenges to each other. You would have to ask yourself, is Anderson Silva still going to be – is he going to have the energy? Is he going to have the strength from the weight cut? You talk about McGregor, what would his stamina look like? Because we know Silva can fight five rounds. We know mm-hmm. he can fight three rounds. And we McGregor, know he can do that. McGregor, that's never been his Right, he, he fades. We know that. We also know that McGregor isn't as versatile, isn't as diverse off the ground. We know Silva can knock you out from anything, elbows, knees, 
it doesn't matter. Like, that's what he does. So in that department, man, it would definitely be exciting. I would tune in. Our resident MMA and NASCAR expert know, here. Y'all got Steelers me over Nation here show, showing Arthur off a Mutz. little bit, man. I'm showing <laughs> off a little bit today. Joseph tweets race tonight. You watching? Absolutely. I was watching last night until it got postponed to tonight. So I'm good to go, baby. Let's go. Speaking of postponed, did you see real quick the, the SpaceX launch? Yes, yes. With, with my dog down there, man. Dobbs. Could, could you imagine? Yeah. Could you imagine those astronauts, I guess, yeah. right? Is the term. They were loaded up in that shuttle for like two hours. Yeah, ready for making history. And so for two hours, you're sitting there ready to make history and nervous yeah. and all the thoughts that are going through your mind. And then it's like, oh, we got to postpone it because the weather. Yeah, we'll, we'll see Man, you Saturday. We'll see you Saturday. That would stink. You're it talking was, about psyching it, yourself out. I'm not going to lie. It would, stink, it would stink, but for the significance of that moment and the safety that's associated with it, oh, yeah. those guys are not overly complaining because they understand that that's more life and death yes when we're talking about oh. postponing a nascar race that's because hey we, we know these guys could crash but they still could survive we know that hey man to get the best competition to to make it equal we want to wait till the weather is clear nasa something like that they're like dude one thing goes wrong a and storm that could be it, it, we, we, we've seen in the past how this thing plays out apollo 11 yeah we've seen in the past yeah. how that thing plays out yeah we don't need we don't that need again. That. No. Not on. No, no, no. Certainly not in the middle of a pandemic. Not at either. all. We don't not need another all. tragedy to pile listen, on top listen, of all Listen, this. the market just got back good. We don't need that again. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, an hour and 40 minutes in the books. One segment to go. You know what that means. We'll get to your tweets to wrap up the show when we return. At West Steeler at the Body 52. The Body. Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Wrapping up the show on a Thursday. Back in the saddle every day, noon to two here. Yes, sir. And Motes. Again, yes, sir. the podcast is live. Steelers Blitz, wherever you get your podcast, the show is uploaded every day. We are getting more and more tweets by the day, Motesy. We're rolling here. We back, man. We back. We're back. We're giving the people some of that normalcy that they need, man. We're giving the people that consistency that they need, that Red Bull, that energy hey. drink for their ills. That's what we are doing. Gregory asks, could Wes explain why the owner of the Raiders <laughs> hair looks like that? <laughs> so he's talking about Mark Davis. It does look bad. And his, <laughs> his goofy haircut. Which, what is this? <laughs> to be fair to him, my hair looks really goofy right now, but his has always looked goofy even before the yes, quarantine. Very true. Gregory, it's there's this really bizarre phenomenon. Like... I, Amongst wealthy people where, like, a large percentage of wealthy people just don't care about what they look like? I hear that a lot. Yeah, which I don't get that at all because if I had all this money, if money was, like, no object, if I was a billionaire, I mean, I'd be, are you kidding me? I'd be the prettiest man out there. Yeah, I, I do hear that a lot. <laughs> I'd yeah, be getting new people, outfits and new haircuts. People, they, they just wear whatever they want. They dress yeah. hard. No, 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 they don't. That, that's not true. <laughs> that's not no. true. You care about what you look like now. I don't want to hear that. Yeah, Mark Davis, I don't know. That that haircut is goofy, and there clearly needs to be somebody in his life that loves him enough just to tell him, 
hey man i mean come on real friends don't let friends walk outside with their hair looking like that man yes correct joseph says here do you think mike tomlin likes to run the wheels off of guys and he says run the wheels off in quotations Mm -hmm. do you think mike tomlin likes to run the wheels off of guys because most of the steelers backs have been rhythm backs who gets better who get better as the game goes on Hmm. well that's a good question obviously not obviously but honestly i think that a lot of players, especially offensive players, guys who get a lot of touches, the more they're out there, the better their rhythm is going to be. I know as a pass rusher, we would say the same thing when we were upset about our linebacker by committee approach because you feel like, man, the more I'm out there, I can set things up. I can get a feel for the the snap count. I can get a feel for my opponent. I can do these type of things and ultimately over time get more wins, get more sacks. But the difference is in this regard if you feel that the the other guys can contribute just as good or better without having to have Mm. one person go through the ups and downs of the warming up to that I mean that's the difference in this thing you know when we talk about guys being high volume carry guys you don't want a guy that's necessarily going to start slow his first 10 carries his first 10 touches right are kind of like a waste and that's what you want There's to avoid in that, right? Between, yeah. So I think when we're talking about some of these backs, your Le'Veons and, and these other guys, you, we can go down the line and say, hey, man, this guy was a high-volume guy. Look how he built up to it. You also saw that they didn't start slow either. Right. And they were able to sustain a higher amount, and then they just went from being good to turning into great performances as the game went on. Don Juan says, James Conner's starting to look like the Hulk. I think he will have a bounce-back year. That's the goal, Don. Uh, JB, our buddy, Mr. No Followers. Although, he, he got 1,300 followers on Twitter. Yeah, Mr. No man, followers. you're not about you to try to small-time yourself, you big-timer. Give yourself some credit, JB. <laughs> he says in quotations, at the body 52. Hey! And then, and then in all caps, the <laughs> People are enjoying it. Jab here says, West, this is about uh, the rant about draft busts. Jab oh, says, man. Wesley Euler. And Dabati52 are the most speaking facts that Steeler Nation needs to hear. Thanks for speaking the truth on this situation. Glad you guys are back on the air. Missed you guys this spring. Hey, Major we missed love, you. Man. We missed you too, Power Grid. Mark says, should we start a rumor that Motsi doesn't like Jarvis Jones from Georgia? <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag unfounded rumor. Oh, man. And just to clear that rumor, Jarvis is my guy. All right? So we're just going to leave that there. That, that's, that's my man. <laughs> and last one here, Zombie Mosh says, speaking of Adam Sandler, he doesn't care what he looks like. <laughs> yeah, they got a point there, too. Oh, man. Happy Gilmore, Adam Sandler, just going through the ringer today. Hmm. Yeah, it is a weird balance because, like, you know, for every Adam Sandler, right, or Mark Davis, like, you've got the David Beckhams, Correct. too, right, or who are on the completely Oh, other. man, yeah, it's David not even Beckham's close. in his 50s, and dude still looks like he's in his 30s. Yeah. Like, he, he clearly really cares about his appearance. But, yeah, that's that's, that's interesting. But, yeah, hopefully, uh, listen, my haircut, it's not looking great during the quarantine here, but I'm, I'm not ready to go the Mark Davis route just yet. I, I'm glad. And I would tell you if you did go the Mark Davis route. Oh, Moats, I just had a realization. Uh-oh. As I was going into my final spiel here. Uh-oh. We didn't call Backo today. We messed up. Oh! <laughs> we messed wow. up. We didn't call Brian Backo today. All last week we talked about how oh, we didn't call Brian Backo. Man. He was joking about how we're big-timing him and not calling him on Thursdays And he anymore. has had the same number since the seventh grade. Oh, no, Mercy. Oh, no. What have we done? Hey, Backo, blame it on West. Don't put it on me. He runs the show. I'm just here. <laughs> 
Somebody got to take the fall. So, Brian, back up tomorrow on the program? <laughs> God. How did we forget? How did we forget? You know what's funny is last night, too, when I was starting mm. to jot down notes for today's show, I in my mind, I was like, oh, Bacco, sweet. I was like, that'll be a good segment. You know, we haven't wow. talked to him in a while. Oh, man. So tomorrow on the program, Brian Bacco of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, who normally joins us on Thursdays, he'll join us on Fridays. He's probably just been sitting around staring at his phone. Wow. Poor guy. Oh, man. I'm sorry. Oh man, I take responsibility. For yeah, that. we need to we need to send back out like a uh, I don't know like an edible arrangement or something. Jeez, man, we've been hurting his feelings. But tomorrow on the program it is a Friday, so we'll have some fun like we always do on Fridays. We'll see if we can get Brian Backo on the horn. Maybe wow. I'll, maybe I'll <laughs> sing a song, and maybe Mozi and I can even find some sports to uh, to make hey. pick, to make to make some picks on. So all that and more on the program. We're back. It's our first Friday show. Uh, since yeah, February. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Because last week we, we were out on Friday. So our yeah, first. Yeah, man, we our, had a, a five day weekend. Our first Friday Seven show. Day weekend. Yeah, that was a nice weekend, I'll tell you what. First Friday show in a while tomorrow. So join us then. Same time, knuckleheads. We're on a 22 hour break. Same time, knuckleheads. All these other cliches that <laughs> I can get That's all, folks. And that's the way it was. <laughs> so we'll talk to you in same time, high noon, and as always, same place on your 24-7 home of the black and gold Steelers Nation Radio.